we are in our series walking through the book of Philippians. And so I love when we get to walk through scripture in this type of way together because in so many ways, it's like you don't even have to add anything to the scripture. It just speaks for itself and it preaches to the depths of our hearts. And so um, I'm so excited for this chapter and um, I'm gonna kind of explain, I, last week we did this too where we kind of went verse by verse through the scriptures and kind of broke it down a little bit more together. So we're gonna do that same thing. And so we are gonna be in Philippians 2, starting in verse 19 through 30. So we're gonna read it all together and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit verse by verse and we will do our best to get it all together at the end. Sound good? So Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, it says... I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Verse 25 says, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also the messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Sounds a little salty at the end from Paul there. You guys couldn't do it, so he risked his life. I love that sometimes, the tone of voice he gives us. But let's pray again today and just ask the Lord to speak through his holy word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much today for the gift it is to read from your word, for the gift that it is that we get to come together and we get to hear from you as a community. And so God, we just ask that we would hear your voice through every single word, through every single moment. Would you speak to the depths of our hearts? Would you show us what it is that you want us to hear and would we receive it? And would we let it transform us and do what only you can do through your Holy Spirit? We ask all of this in your name, amen. So our so what today, if we get nothing else out of this passage, is giving your life for Christ is giving your life for others. Giving your life for Christ is giving your life for others. So this had a title today, and if you're a note taker and you want something on the top of your page, you can put, for the sake of others, for the sake of others. And then what do we do with this, which we're going to get to, is look out for the interests of others. Go and make disciples. So the things I'm going to give you again, just the outline of where we're going, is what we're going to see in these scriptures and what we read is that Paul is kind of laying out to us what it looks like to give ourselves for the sake of others in the way that he is highlighting these two relationships that he has. 
Now, in the past, I've read some of these scriptures, and I've missed some of the beauty in the relationships that he's highlighting. You see, Paul, um, as he's writing these things, is talking about the people that he was investing in, the people that he was pouring into, the people that he was taking with him on the journey. So what we see is that he's highlighting in these verses that giving our life for the sake of others, giving our lives for Christ is going to be investing in others, prioritizing others, welcoming others, and taking risks for others. It's all for others. So in verse 19 through 21, again, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their interest, not those of Christ. Now that verse alone could preach for weeks and weeks and weeks. Everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. You see, Paul is demonstrating here that not only did he invest in other people's lives, Timothy, Not only did he make him a disciple and bring him along for the journey, but he was also generous in sending him out to go then and continue to make disciples. Paul made sure to take people along with him on the journey. And so one of my first questions to you today is in your everyday life and the things that the Lord has placed before you, who are you inviting to take with you on the journey? Who is it that you are bringing alongside you and making a disciple of? We talk a lot about here at New Culture about this idea of being with Jesus, entering the process of becoming like Jesus so that we can then be transformed by him to do what he did, and that was to make disciples. And he left with us his strategic plan of gathering disciples and then in the Great Commission empowering them to go and make disciples, and that didn't end. Now we are a result of that discipleship line. We are a part of that legacy, and we now get to go empower others on the journey. Jesus offered the disciples and now offers us a life of following and becoming like him. And so that means, yes, at times it might be sitting down with someone and walking through the Bible with them, but it's also letting people just be a part of your life, letting people just go to and eat with you and have them in, in your homes and going to their homes and living life with them. Paul, though, he highlights here that he's sending his best when he's talking about Timothy. And what made him the best? What made him so good? Well, he's telling us is that Timothy wasn't looking out for his own interests. He wasn't looking out for his own interests. You see, people of Jesus do not look out for their own interests. Now, does this line up with the message that we often hear or the message that we want to receive for our lives? Absolutely not. And I wanna talk about this for a minute today because Paul talks about this in different places in scriptures, but whether it's Bible times or today times or any times, there's always this temptation to pursue comfort. There's always this temptation to just become consumeristic in what we do. I mean, we think about that in what we listen to and what we watch. Everything's about consuming and about feeding into our interests. Everything is about feeding into what we want. But the Bible teaches us something that's a little countercultural of others firsts. 
And that it's not when you find yourself and you're good, then you can go be good, but it's when you lose yourself and then you truly learn to rely on Jesus for all you need, that's when you are who you were created to be. Now, here's the thing that I wanna highlight is that burnout is also not of the Lord, right? We know that, that burnout is not of the Lord, that God doesn't wanna just use us, but he wants to do life with us and empower us. But what I found many times is when people are feeling burnt out or when I'm feeling burnt out and tired, that a lot of the times it comes down to two things. One, that we're carrying the wrong things or two, that we are carrying it on our own. That we're either one, carrying the wrong things, or two, we're just carrying it on our own and in the wrong way. And so at times when we get to this part where we just have to, okay, I have to put me first. Like it's time for me to pursue my own interests. It's time to make sure that I'm good and I have to like not do anything for a while. It might be because you're carrying the wrong things. It might be because there's things in your life that the Lord actually never asked you to do that you need to release. But I also wanna talk about when we are in those moments and we're processing and saying, okay, why am I feeling heavy? Why am I feeling tired? Why am I feeling like I can't actually do things for the Lord? I can't actually be who I'm supposed to be because I'm just filled with this worry and this anxiety. And you think, okay, I think it's because I'm doing too much. I think it's because maybe I've said too many yeses. There's then this temptation to just be like, all right, I'm done, I'm thrown in the towel, I quit, I give up, and I'm just gonna like go and hide away, right? But there is this level as people of Jesus to look at the characters of Jesus and say, Jesus was faithful. Jesus followed through. Jesus has never, never forgotten one of his promises. So if you find yourself in a place today where you're thinking, okay, I'm feeling heavy. I'm feeling like I'm starting to just look out for the interests of myself and I'm in this survival mode. Um, Take responsibility and learn what it looks like to invest in others and pass the baton. I talk about it a lot in all the different teams that I've, I've led through the years of like, okay, we don't drop the ball, we pass the ball. You know, like you don't just drop the ball in the middle of the game, but you pass it to somebody else. You find somebody else to invest in. And if we as people of God are always investing and making disciples, that, then we're not gonna find ourselves always in this spot feeling like we're carrying the wrong things, but we're gonna have community and we're gonna know and be able to follow the Lord's leading to say, who do we pass it to in this moment? Who do we pass it to? And so for me in my life, it's looked like at times when I've said too many yeses of going, okay, for the next few months, we're gonna take responsibility and we're gonna be faithful because Jesus was faithful and we're gonna be consistent because Jesus was consistent. And then we're gonna make better choices moving forward and we're gonna listen more to what the Lord's really asking of us. And we are gonna find ways to invest in others and to pass the ball, not drop the ball. And this is part of learning to invest in others. But then when it comes to carrying it on our own, that's another thing that sometimes it might not be that what you're carrying is too much, right? Because we know as carriers of the gospel, as living for Jesus, it's not promised to be painless. It's not promised to be easy. There is a cost, right, to carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a cost that comes with it. So just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not of God. Just because you are feeling a little heavy doesn't mean it's not of God. But maybe you're trying to carry it all on your own. Maybe you're not living with this posture of surrender to Jesus and you're trying to do it on your own or to do it alone because we weren't meant to carry these things alone. Yesterday, my lovely sister-in-law, Elena, who is leading us on the keys here, 
Uh, we went to Hobby Lobby for their Christmas sale, 60% off. I don't know when it ends, but if you need to get there, run. So good. So many things. But we, were, we had a moment where we were like trying to decide like what do we actually need to buy and like do we actually need like all this stuff? And she's like, Nathan, my husband is going to kill me when I walk home today. And I'm like, buy it. It's so cute. And so sorry for all the stuff that Elena brought home yesterday. But we're standing there and our arms are like literally just like overflowing because we didn't get a car. Because of course, did we need any of this? No. Did we end up buying half the store? Almost. And so we're like standing there and we're like, okay, how do we do this? You take this, I take that, okay, okay. And it was one of those moments where it wasn't that we were carrying necessarily too much, okay? Like we were able to carry it, but we just had to shift the load a little bit. We had to be strategic and you take this and if I don't have this, then I have this arm free to do this. And okay, yep, I got a hand to pull out my credit card and to pay for all this. But sometimes that's our lives, right? Where it's not necessarily what we're carrying, but how we're carrying it. Are we allowing ourselves to carry it in the context of community? Are we allowing ourselves to, one, let Jesus ultimately be the one that carries it for us? So that's where we see the value of us always investing in others and doing things in the context of community and always learning who are we passing things on to? Who are we investing in? Who are we bringing on the journey with us? We also see Paul here, he's, he's talking about how he really welcomed people in. You see, it is easier sometimes for us, and it can be tempting to journey alone. But he knew that it was good to have people along for the journey. He knew that it was good for them, it was good for him, it was good for the kingdom, because that was always God's plan, is that it would be through each and every one of us continuing to make disciples who make disciples that we would see his kingdom come and people return to relationship with him. And he welcomed others in a way, again, where he was willing to continue to send them off to other people. I was thinking about this um, of sometimes when it comes to the message of the gospel, of how selfish we can be with it without even realizing. You see, part of Paul welcoming people and inviting them to partake in this kingdom mission was a posture of generosity for Paul. If he recognized, like, this was so good, he recognized, like, the hope of Jesus, the healing of Jesus, that he not only gave his life, but he strategically welcomed others to join him on the journey, and it causes us to think, what is stopping us from welcoming people to join us? What is stopping us from recognizing that the hope of the world is in Jesus Christ, and so we want other people to be a part of that? When we have good news, we should be eager to invite people to participate in what we're doing And in that, we also receive because we have the joy of knowing more people have joined the family of God and are finding that hope and healing in Jesus. In verse 23, he says, I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. I feel like this is kind of Paul's way of telling them, like, I'm not just sending them because I don't want to be there. Like, they're not replacing me. I want to be there, but I'm sending them first. In verse 25, he says, but I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but me, 
Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I have, may have less anxiety. Okay, so here's what I wanna point out in this part of the passage. There's three different kind of special relationships that are mentioned here when he's describing Epaphroditus. He's saying, he's my brother, he's my coworker, and my fellow soldier. My brother, my coworker, my fellow soldier. What we see here is Paul is again giving us like a little piece of strategy of how he did discipleship, of how he invested in others, of how he welcomed others. He's talking about him as a brother. Now that, I don't just throw that word around. I really only say that probably about my actual blood brothers, right? Like the ones that share my DNA. But you don't just go around and, and maybe you do. I don't know. So I shouldn't say that and go, hey, that's my brother. Like, and you're like, I'm not your brother, you know? But he's saying, this is my brother. Like, this is someone I'm close to. That word represents a relationship of intimacy. It tells us that like, this wasn't just a stranger. This probably wasn't someone that, that Paul had just interacted with just a few times, but that he had relationship of depth with. And we know that those types of relationships take history, they take consistency, they take investing in them, they take welcoming them to your table and into your life. And so he's showing us a little bit, like that's probably what he did to get to that point, say, this is my brother. And then it says worker, okay, my coworker. I love that too, coworker, is he's like, we're on the same team. You see, I mean, he has every right to just go on and be like, you know, my understudy, like the one that comes below me or beneath me, you know? But no, he doesn't do that. He's like, this is my brother and this is my coworker because he recognized that although at times we might all serve different roles, that we are in this together. You know, often I find it funny sometimes when I tell people I'm a pastor, people be like, oh, that's so cool. Your full-time job is to tell people about Jesus. I'm like, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, like that's your full-time job too, you know? It just looks different. But we are all have the same mission. We are coworkers and helping people hear the good news, the hope, the healing love of Jesus Christ. And then he says, soldier. So he's talking about the relationship. He's speaking of that there is a mission, that there's a job to be done to tell people about Jesus, and then that there's a battle to fight. And I love sometimes thinking about this. Of For many of us, we struggle with this word of, of soldier and like what does that look like, but I wanna talk about it today with the idea of Paul once again emphasizing that our job of following Jesus is not just to be a member of an audience, but it is to actually participate in the army of God. It is actually to be someone that is working towards that mission, that is working towards helping people find Jesus Christ. And we have a role to play in that, that goes beyond just sitting here on a Sunday once a week, but it's every single moment and every single day, you are a part of something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. So in relationship, we have to recognize with other people as we invest into them, as we, as we welcome them, that part of what Paul is showing us now is that he prioritized them, that he was spending time with them to get to the point to say, you're my brother, you're my coworker, we're in this together, we are a part of the same team, the same mission. So we too need to look to have relationship with other people that are far from God. And we need to recognize that we are on a mission to bring them near to God. And we need to recognize that we're not just supposed to be 
a member of the audience, but active in the fight, and that they're not just supposed to be a member of the audience, but that God has a plan and a purpose for their life as well, to be a sister, to be a brother, to be a fellow coworker in spreading the gospel, the good news, and this takes community to do that. But Paul is writing, but he's not the main character of this. It's Jesus. Epaphroditus, Timothy, they're not the main characters of this. It's Jesus. And they're recognizing that they are all a part of God's ministry, that they are all a part of his mission. Verse 29 says, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me, again with the sass. And here we see that when we are living for Christ, and it's all for the sake of others, that it might take a little risk. It might take us doing things where we are risking some things in our lives. Now, everything that Paul is highlighting here in the scripture, though, was first modeled by Jesus. And I love in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, where it says to be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children and to live a life of love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. You see, Jesus went first in all of this. He's not telling Paul and having Paul do something he hadn't done in the same way Paul wasn't telling Timothy or Epaphroditus to go and do things that he had not done, right? Epaphroditus saw it modeled by Paul that the gospel, the good news of Jesus was worth giving everything for. And and Paul knew that it was worth giving everything for because they had experienced the transforming power and hope and healing of Jesus Christ. And it was modeled first by Jesus. And as I was praying over this message today, I just really felt that deep in my heart that yes, we need to always live with that mindset that we are on mission to help people draw near to God, to help them find that relationships, to make disciples. We are on that mission together. And it is going to take every single one of us learning what does it look like every day for us to invest into the people around us. Because when we look around even this room today, that we all tomorrow morning are going to be in different places, different offices, different buildings with different people that were all created in the image of God and whether or not they can name it, they need a relationship with Jesus. And we have that hope that we get to carry. We have that light that we get to carry. But as I was thinking about this, I just felt like we need to spend some time today remembering that Jesus is the one that went first, that Jesus died for the sake of others, that Jesus gave his life for the sake of others, that Jesus, he invested into others. We see that with the life he lived with his disciples. He invested into them. He welcomed them on his journey, his journey of saying, come on, get on the boat and let's go fish together, which did probably didn't make sense or seem like this high and mighty, holy thing to do. He invested in them in saying, hey, I'm going to this person's house. Come with me. Something that probably didn't seem like a high and holy, mighty thing to do. He prioritized them. He made space for them. His disciples, he made space for them to come on the journey with him. Jesus welcomed others, you think. If you need to be reminded of the type of people that Jesus welcomed, just open the Gospels to just about any random page and you're gonna see, right, the women at the well who everybody else said we shouldn't talk to her and Jesus says I'm gonna welcome her in. For people like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who again, people are saying, you're gonna be seen going to to whose house, Jesus? And he welcomed him in. 
And Jesus not only risked his life, but he gave his life for others. And I think sometimes we think of just the death on the cross, which yes, we're gonna talk about that, continue to today and, and fix our eyes on that. But I want you to think of the other things that Jesus risked his life for and died for along the way. When the people that he talked to, he was risking his reputation. He was risking the, what, the, the opinions of other people. Sometimes there's gonna be things in our life and people that God is gonna ask us to invest in that other people might not think they're worth our time. But if Jesus says they were made in my image and I want relationship with them, then it's worth it to Jesus and it's worth our time. There's so much that he gave along the way. And Elena, if you wanna go ahead and come as we get ready to close. I just felt like tonight, as we kind of start to fix our eyes to say, what does it look like for us to give our lives for others? What does it look like for us to constantly be thinking, who are we taking along with us on the journey? Who am I investing in? Who am I making space for? Who am I welcoming to my table? Or by welcoming, whose table am I going to and, and having a meal with? Who am I taking? Who am I taking? You know, as a part of a church, our church, we have what is called a rule of life, um, which we have copies at our welcome table. And part of this idea of a rule of life is saying, okay, we don't want to just be going in all these random directions, you know, and go, okay, what are we doing today? What are we doing tomorrow? But we want to start to set up our lives to have rhythms that form us into the image and likeness of Jesus every single day. And, and part of our rule of life is we have relational things. And a rule is essentially just a set of practices. And we have relational ones because it's so important for us to remember that we weren't meant to journey alone, but that we were meant to do it as a community and always live our lives for the sake of others. To be thinking in about when was the last time that I intentionally said, okay, I'm gonna invest in this person. Before... I even was in ministry and was a pastor. I remember the Lord just put on my heart, look, what would it look like if every single year you were a part of just helping one person come closer to God and come to know Jesus? And I remember as I started looking for jobs outside of college and, and doing these different things, and some of them were like, okay, you can come do this and you can do that. And I just kept thinking a lot of them would be ministry roles. But I said, I just always want to be in a place in my life where no matter what I'm doing, that every single year I am personally a part of helping someone come closer to Jesus. What would it look like if all of us said, okay, just one person that I'm going to pray for? Just one person that I'm gonna start to prioritize. Just one person that I'm going to invest in that I might even take some risks for in my life for them to come to know Jesus. What is the big takeaway from this today? Is that giving your life for Christ is giving your life for others. And it all starts with Jesus of remembering today that Jesus loves us. That simple truth that sometimes we need to remember that we can love because he first loved us. That today that Jesus thinks that you, yes, you, no matter what you walked in here with or how you view yourself in this moment, he thinks that you're worth making time for today. Jesus, the son of God wants to invest into your life. 
He wants to welcome you into intimate, deep relationship. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. And he wants you to join him in his mission to seek and to save that which was lost. So what do we do with this? We start to center our lives and continue to center our lives around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, so we can do what he did. We can look out for the interest of others. We can make disciples. So I wanna invite you to stand in just a moment. We're gonna take communion together. And I just felt like I wanted us to do this tonight because I really felt as I was prepping for this that if we are going to continue to give our lives for others, we're gonna have to continue to be reminded of the work of the cross, reminded of what Jesus gave for us, and reminded that as we invite others on the journey, as we invest in them, as we welcome them, that it's not from by ourselves but it's because of Jesus and it's for Jesus. But I want you to take a minute today before we do that and just think of the relationships that you have. Who sits at your table? Who is near you? And to begin to think and ask the Holy Spirit to share with you today, how can you start to invest into them? How can you start to prioritize them? Make space, make room. How can you take people on the journey with you? So God, we thank you for this word today. And I just ask that even as we continue through this time of worship, that you would remind us that we can love because you first loved us. That you will remind us that you gave everything for us, that you loved us so much that you now invite us to participate in sharing your gospel, participate in imitating you and living a life of love. So we thank you for that, Jesus. We're gonna have communion here um, on this table. I'm gonna place the cups um, here. And whenever you guys are ready, you can come and grab a communion cup and just take it back to your seat. And then we're gonna close in a time of worship. But I just want us to take a moment to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, to celebrate what he did for us on the cross. And so you can do that however you want, but I'm gonna start by just reading the scripture in Corinthians 11:23 through 26, where it says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we drink this, we will be proclaiming his death until he comes, until that day where we stand before him face to face. And you can go and partake in the Lord's Supper. And then we're gonna close with singing a chorus together and in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for sending him to pay the price for our sins. But before any of that, to just be with us, to walk with us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit 
that dwells in this place, that we get to enter into your presence. And God, we thank you that we can leave this place giving for the living for the sake of others because you gave everything for us. We thank you, God, that we can so freely welcome others because you welcomed us in all of our brokenness, in all of our mess. And you said that we were worth it, that we were worth loving, we were worth giving it all for, we were worth risking it all for. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you that you have invited us to join you on this journey of helping people experience your kingdom, of seeing heaven come down to earth. So God, would you help us as we walk throughout our weeks to walk with this sense of honor, this sense of responsibility, this sense of mission, this sense of knowing that you are with us. We thank you, Lord, for your love that we can love because you loved us. You are so good to us, God. You are so faithful, so constant. And so we thank you for meeting us here in this space. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful start to your week tomorrow. Um, Just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, Sign up for oh, it's time slot in the prayer room. Sign throughout your week, your lunch break, start your morning in that prayer room. Again, if you're new here, we'd love to meet you at the welcome table. Sign up to bring food to Friendsgiving so we don't all show up and starve. And everything you need to know is on our website. All right, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>